The following episode contains discussion of sensitive topics, including emotional distress, abuse, self-harm, suicide, and mental health. If you or a loved one is struggling with suicidal thoughts, please call, text, or chat 988, which is the National Suicide and Crisis Hotline. This is Fostering Conversations with Utah Foster Care, where we have insightful conversations about parenting for bio, foster, adoptive, or blended families to better understand the experiences we all face as families. Hi everyone, I'm Deborah Lindner with Utah Foster Care. One thing I like most about this podcast is the stories we tell. And we have one man on today who's sharing a very personal story. And I'm really excited to hear about him and hear from him. You're absolutely right. The term we hear a lot these days is lived experience. And I love that phrase because it really centers the person's experience. And that's your story. And so I'm so grateful we get this opportunity. And Jonathan Falk does have that lived experience. He is now the co-CEO of the Utah Pride Center. Welcome, Jonathan. Thank you. Thank you all so much for having me. It's an honor to be part of this and to be part of the Utah Foster Care family. As we talk about the experiences of queer youth in foster care, let's start out by telling us your own story. Yes. Back in 1983, I was born and I don't know my biological mom or dad. And at that time, I was put into the foster care system. And Growing up in the foster care system in the state of California, it was pretty horrific for me. I lived in 34 foster homes until age 10, and I only remember the bad things that happened. I lived with all sorts of families that weren't supported or weren't there. There was not an organization like Utah Foster Care in California that helped guide parents and helped guide foster kids. And so when I was finally adopted at age 11, I had my own roof over my head. I had my own toys. I had my own school I went to, and I had all my own things and created my own family. And living with that family, I thought it was the best thing until I started to express myself and understand who I was as I was growing into being an adult, right? And part of that for me was coming out and recognizing that I am a gay person living in my life right now and I need to be true to myself. And when I told my adopted family this, they pretty much said, you're better off dead. And it was so heartbreaking for me where my biological mom didn't want me now, 34 families I was going through throughout all this time and then finally adopted and then wanting to be my true authentic self and being told you're worthless, get out of here. And that's really what happened. I really had to get my own personal self together and realize that I have a whole life ahead of me. And one of my acquaintances that I met while growing up, he said that there's a LGBT center in Sacramento. I'm like, what's that? And he's like, well, there's other people like you and it's a center where all are welcome. And it took me a while to go into that center, but I knew I had to get into a safe place because I didn't feel safe at home with what was my adopted family. And I went to the center and I found so many people like me. And I was told that I wasn't alone. I was very suicidal at that time. One of the resources that I received at the Sacramento LGBT Center was the Trevor Project. 
And they actually had a lifeline there. I picked up this phone and I said, Hey, I'm Jonathan. I'm struggling. And they're like, you're not alone. You're loved. And I was like, how can a complete stranger tell me that I'm loved through the phone without even meeting me? And that being able to share resources at the LGBT center and be able to share my own personal story has actually helped elevate me to where I am today at the Utah pride center. I could have been selfish and just went another way. But I knew that I needed to stay strong and I needed to have the support. That support around me was my chosen family. Having been in the system and realizing how important organizations like Utah Foster Care are for those families, for foster kids, I wish an organization was around when I was going through all this. Luckily, I survived on the other end, but I only know how many have not survived. And so for me, that's why I do the work here at the Utah Pride Center. That is why I'm part of the board of the Utah Foster Care, because I know the true impact because of my lived experience by being in the system. Now the system is much better. There's more checks and balances, but it's still pretty rough. And however, we can be that guiding light for foster families and foster kids. That's what I want to do. Thank you for sharing that. Can I ask you how old you were when you came out to your family? 19. 19. Okay. So you were really on your own. Yeah. From 19 onward. Really on my own. And I was living in Sacramento at the time. And my friend said, oh my gosh, you need to move to San Francisco. And I visited San Francisco before, and it was the first city that I felt like, wow, you can be yourself. You can be you. And that's where I made my chosen family. And I literally left with my backpack and the clothes that I was wearing and went to San Francisco and found a job and started making money and found a room to share with. And that kind of blossomed. You were 19 then. So that's about 20 years ago. Is it much more common for kids to come out at an earlier age? Yeah, by then I was a young adult. And what I'm seeing now, what kind of the trend is, is more and more kids are coming out at a very younger age. It's more accepted in some places more than not, which is a horrible struggle in itself. So you went from Sacramento to San Francisco. Now you're in Utah. How'd you end up in Utah? That was actually one of the blessings of COVID. I've been in California most of my life. And then I was working for a national homeless organization called Back on My Feet in LA. And all of our clients were face-to-face. COVID happened. We tried to pivot virtually, but we weren't able to. And so my husband, George, and I decided, let's take a road trip to Salt Lake City. And we drove up from LA and we're like, we fall in love with Utah. We fall in love with the people in Utah. We fall in love with the nature and just the overall kind of the scenery of, of Utah. And so we drove back and forth about four times before we finally made the decision. And it's the best decision we've made so far in our lives together. Being in LA was great and being in California, but it's a red state. You can't be as free as you want to be in California or San Francisco or LA. So that is one kind of, I don't want to say we've stepped out back a little bit, but for me being so open and out, we're protecting ourselves a little bit here. How did you find, even with something like you need to protect yourself a little bit, how did you find a community here? What what was that like for you in George? Yeah, for here, we actually have a good friend that moved from LA. Her name is Erica, and she is actually a part of our community, trans, Latina, and just living life here in Utah. And we are really good friends with her and her, our other friends here that live in Mill Creek. And we're like, this is our family. This is who we want to be around. So building a network was pretty easy for us here, and it grew from there. And then when moving to Utah, I knew I wanted to work for an LGBTQ organization. 
And that's when the old position I was in, associate executive director, opened up for the Pride Center. And I knew I wanted to be at the Pride Center because ultimately a Pride Center saved my life. You're still giving back. And then, of course, now you're on the Utah Foster Care Board, too. So you're still finding ways to to be that lifeline to people. Especially with my lived experience, for me, if I'm able to help one family or help one kid or even help someone within the community, for me, that's priceless. And there's so many barriers, especially for LGBTQ foster kids that are in the system that they're just, they just have another barrier in front of them. And so when working with foster families and working with the state or the agency or Utah Foster Care, being able to train parents and being able to understand it's okay if you have a kid that's coming out that's transgender or gay or lesbian, right? We're all human at the end of the day and we all need love and we all need support and we all need families if it's your biological family or your chosen family. And there has been a need for a long time for foster parents to accept older kids and teens. And now we're seeing, as Liz knows, in some of our regions, one of the greatest needs is to find foster parents who will accept queer children and queer teens and give them that affirming home. And not all people are willing to do that. If someone's out there and they're considering fostering a child, what would you tell them, Jonathan, about some things to consider and how to perhaps open their hearts and broaden their horizons to accept an LGBTQ child? Yeah, as I mentioned earlier, having an LGBTQ child can create another barrier, but it also can open up a whole nother opportunity. For me, if any parent currently was on the fence about adopting an LGBTQ individual, I would just say to them, you would be providing a loving home for them and for them to be themselves. And everyone is human at the end of the day, and we want to be able to provide a safe, loving, and caring home. And don't be afraid. Talk to friends. Talk to those that have adopted LGBTQ individuals. Talk to somebody in the community and let us tell our stories. Let us educate you. For me personally, education is key. You know, here at the Utah Pride Center, we do pronoun trainings and cultural competency trainings. And we have a whole training department here. And just by using someone's correct pronouns can actually save a life, right? I'm Jonathan, I go by he, him. And so that's something that we teach parents all the time. We have parents that come to the center and say, hey, my kid just come out. I have no idea what to do. It's educating them. It's sitting down with them and just having a conversation. They may see something in the news or see something on social, but that's not how we are. That's not who we are, right? And at the end of the day, we're all human and we all need to be loved and we all need that supporting family. And talking about education, one thing that struck me, and I think it comes as a surprise to many people, that as many as 30% of the kids in foster care are queer. And they're three times more likely to attempt suicide. And they're four times more likely to be kicked out of their house. So they experience homelessness. This is really about saving lives, isn't it? Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned those stats, Deborah, because they're alarming, right? They're alarming, especially nowadays with everything that's going on across the country and the anti-drag and the anti-trans and all the bills that are being passed here in Utah. It's, it feels like we keep going backwards. And for me personally, I was already given up once by my biological mom and then pretty much in my mind, given up. 34 times again. 
And then again, by my adopted family, for me, I knew that there was much more to my life than just this. That was 19 years of my life, but I have a whole 70, 80 years ahead of me. And however I can grow myself and however I can empower myself is key. And when I came out, I already had a bunch of negative checks on my files, right? My adoption files were like hundreds and hundreds of pages. And so as kids start to outgrow the foster care system, there are times ticking, right? And so by giving a home to somebody who is 14, 15, 16, that is life-changing because they've had all these years where nobody wants them and being able to find a family that wants them and wants to love them and know that they have a life ahead is key. Education, training, especially for families who are questioning is key. Do you ever hear hesitation from members of the LGBTQ community about them becoming foster parents? Not so much anymore. I do hear a little bit about it here in Utah. Gay parents are just as good as any parent out there. Anyone can be able to be a foster parent. And so I think that's key. I see a lot of my close friends are actually adopting in California and they just want to be able to give the best life possible to those that have already been disadvantaged. Great. One message you always want to make sure is out there is that come one, come off. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You can pass a background check. You can pass a home study. We watch it regardless of anything else. You know, we find ourselves still seeing surprise on people's faces when we say, yes, in Utah, you can be a same-sex couple as long as you're married and become foster parents, et cetera. We'll reinforce that. And I think, too, is something that I personally would like to see, and and maybe Liz's has already been done at Utah Foster Care, is bringing together families who are same-sex couples and doing workshops and trainings and maybe doing a lecture of, hey, you can be just as amazing parent as anyone else. And so the more that we can have those collaborations and the more that we can be out there and say, hey, it's okay, we're providing these workshops, we're providing these trainings, that it will be better for all, especially those kids. Absolutely. And Liz, you are Director of Education for Utah Foster Care. Tell us what foster parents can get in the way of training and support if they do want to foster LGBTQ kids. One of the greatest resources we have right now is on our training portal for foster parents. We have a training that was actually is being donated by the Mama Dragons organization. And I think it's a four or five module series and I've been through it and it's fantastic. And I felt like I knew a lot, but I learned so much and it's beautifully presented. So we have that one that's just evergreen that a family can take that anytime, whether regardless of they're caring for a child under the LGBTQ umbrella or not. And then we also do in-service trainings that are very specific to the needs of the children in care. And we do have a specific LGBTQ cluster, which is a support group made up of primarily LGBTQ families. But sometimes we have families who come to that who they're not LGBTQ, but they have an LGBTQ child in their care. And so it becomes a really mix. And we want to make it as open and as as fluid as possible because people are people. Just like you said, John, at the end of the day, we're all people. But we're very varied and we don't want to ever create hard and fast boundaries around things. And so we want to find a way to make people feel belonging wherever they are and to get the resources wherever they are. Now, you mentioned, Jonathan, you had worked for the Trevor Project, which a lot of people know. And I do want to mention it here just in case anyone's listening to know that they have a 
24-hour hotline if they do need to text, chat, or talk with anyone about this. Yeah, by being a, I don't say client, but by being someone who has actually used the Trevor Project, the Lifeline, and actually hearing a counselor saying that you are loved and you're not alone makes the world a difference. Trevor Project is an amazing resource. I worked for them for almost three years in San Francisco, and I managed all their corporate partnerships. And they have trainings. You can reach a counselor 24-7, 365 via text as well now. They have education modules. They do a lot of speaking opportunities. They're just this great resource. And they actually late last year expanded into Mexico. So their reach is going to be global over the next few years, but they're an amazing resource. You can go to the trevorproject.org and find all sorts of information on their website. And also most recently, the national 988 crisis number is the national hotline for those that are either suicidal or just need someone to talk to. It's a new number that was rolled out in the middle of last year. And that's a number that we provide to our individuals that are wanting to talk to somebody on the other line. And there's actually a call center here in Utah that provides those calls that come from Utah to get those resources that are needed. On the Trevor Project's website, and I've heard this in other ways, but I think it's especially true that if a child can have one caring adult, it can help them thrive. And if you're listening out there and you're one adult and wondering what you can do, that can make a huge difference. Have one person believing in you, right? Yeah. And then that's literally what happened to me. Person on the other line of the phone, who knows where they were, said, you're loved, you're not alone. How can I help? And I think we all through our lifetime come to situations or the universe brings us in front of someone for a reason. And it may be having a conversation with somebody you meet in the grocery store, or maybe somebody at the bank, or maybe somebody in your family that is having a rough day. But just to say, hey, I'm thinking of you, or hey, you're on my mind, that goes a long ways. By being able to talk to somebody that is having a rough day and being able to get them the information they need, but also the resources is life-saving, right? And that, and we do that every day here at the Utah Pride Center. We see clients that come in every day. We have individuals that call and say, I don't know where to go. I don't know where to come. And they're like, come to our home, come to our center here, which is your home. And the Pride Center has one of the longer histories, I'm thinking, um, LGBT support in Utah. Yeah. Yes. We're actually the largest and oldest LGBTQ organization in Utah. One of the blessings of COVID again, it's not just me being in, the, in at the Utah Pride Center, but also being able to reach more Utahns in need because all of our programming is hybrid. It's either in-person or virtual. So we're able to be in rural Utah and be able to be connected with a team that is struggling by being out. We're able to connect to somebody in St. George. And so that's the magic of being virtual is we're able to help more LGBTQ Utahns in need, not just in need, but have connection. People think of the Utah Pride Center as kind of a, a service that I only need it when I need it. We're actually a center year round with programming, not just mental health or family programming. We have kids programming. We have trivia night. We have so many activities that are not geared just for, I need help right now. And that's a message that I'm trying to work with my team to get out there more. And that's something that we're trying to convey during Pride that's coming up starting on June 1st 
and the pride festival and the, the concert Friday night and the parade, this helps fund our programs and services year round. This is our largest fundraiser, which takes up a lot of time and energy, but it's why we do it. And the messaging that we can do and the partnerships that we can create, such as Utah foster care and others across Utah is key because that's how we can collaborate and say, Hey, you know what? You should check out the Utah Pride Center. Or actually, you should check out Utah Foster Care, right? Or Big Brothers, Big Sisters, and other organizations that are all doing great work. And we are going to have a presence there. We're going to have a booth. And our slogan for the event is Foster Pride. We need you and they need you. And mm. again, this is a need out there that you can help fulfill. And we know that you may not know very much about it if you're listening, but Come on down, come by our table or give us a call and ask us about this whole foster parenting thing. Yeah, and it's amazing. I think for Pride especially, it's showing up. And the more that we show up for our community, even if you're an ally or someone who is just wanting to know more about Utah foster care, come and show up and be present because the more that we show up with a larger group, the more people see that, the more we see each other and we see each other like you're not alone because we're all at the end of the day, we're all human, right? I love that you say that because it's so, it's, that's it. At the end of the day, we're all human. And one thing that I think we've had it on about a year, maybe a little bit more, the Safe Home Pledge. And we encourage foster parents to take the Safe Home Pledge that every child deserves a safe and affirming home. If you want to see that, if you want to see more information on what it takes to become a foster parent and foster LGBTQ kids or anything else, go to utahfostercare.org. Now, I'm curious, Jonathan, you're one of the newest members of our board. What do you hope to bring to that role? I hope to bring my fundraising background and money is key, especially in the nonprofit world, but also more ways of collaboration and partnerships. While I'm not from Utah, I can bring other avenues of my own lived experience, but also thinking, what can we do more? How can we push either our programs or an event to think outside of the box? And I think with the way that Utah Foster Care is going now and with our new CEO, I'm excited to see where we go and I'm excited to be part of this journey. And for me, the right time is now. And so I'm just excited to meet all of the foster families out there and work very closely with the team at Utah Foster Care and the board of directors to just elevate the organization and kind of take it to the next level um, and go from there. So our time is about over. Liz, any final thoughts? No, just to thank Jonathan for being here today and sharing his time and his story with us. Yes, thank you very much. And we will have some information on our webpage on where people can go to get more information. But we do want to thank Jonathan Folk, co-CEO of the Utah Pride Center for all you're doing for the youth here in Utah. Thank you as well to my co-host, Liz Rivera, for the man behind the curtain, the person you cannot see, Marshall Shear, our producer, who makes sure we get all of this on the air, so to speak. Thank you all for having this very in-depth fostering conversation. Remember, you don't need to know everything to be a foster parent. You just need to be willing to learn. For more details, go to utahfostercare.org. And even if you can't become a foster parent, learn how to get involved. This has been Fostering Conversations. I'm Deborah Linder.
This has been Fostering Conversations with Utah Foster Care. Thank you for joining us. For more information, go to utahfostercare.org. We'll see you next time.